Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, uh, you know, it is such a privilege and an honor to be here. Um, It was uh, a couple of years ago, I think three years ago, when I was here last, and um, is it called Third Third Academy? And uh, so I got the privilege to preach on green turf and um, walk up. And walk amongst um, miles of pipe and drape. Um, it was it was unbelievable, and uh, it was it was a, a great weekend to be here, and, and a and a privilege and an honor, honestly, to be able to see the fruit of something that years ago, when Ryan and Stephanie were with us um, in um, in uh, Centralia, Washington, halfway between Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington, right on the Interstate Five. Uh, we were there, a little small community that um, we had pioneered a church in, and Ryan and Stephanie came just by the work of God. Pastor Iverson um, called me one day and said, consider talking with Ryan and Stephanie, and so we did, and they came and spent some time with us, and we just determined it was the will of God, and they spent five fruitful years with us, and I just am so grateful for their investment in our lives in that season, and um, we got to see their kids be born, and um, man, what a what a just a privilege and an honor then to be here all these years later and just see the continued fruit. And um, it really is a, a privilege and an honor. And uh, my wife Michael's here, and she's been um, prophesying this weekend and just with us. And I'm so thankful that she's here as well. She wasn't able to be here when I was here before, uh, but um, we made it a priority and. She took like 62 COVID tests to get here. Um, we, we both actually several weeks ago had COVID and it stays in your system. And so she got some negative, some positive. So we just collected enough negatives to get here. That's what we did. And, and so we're praying we can get back home tomorrow. All right. That's kind of what we're, what we're shooting for. Um, how many know this has been one heck of a chapter in life? Um, not only uh, have we been... Um, navigating this journey of pioneering, right? Love City Church. But when that whole scene came up about COVID, I actually started to cry. I'm just like, man, I think we all still feel the pain. Not just church leaders trying to keep church alive, but how many know as family leaders, as business leaders, as workers and husbands and wives, and just like the journey has not been easy the last couple of years. Um, for us personally, there's been other layers. We not only became the lead pastors of Manor House during that season, but our oldest daughter, Mariah, who's 22 now, was diagnosed with a rare form of, of brain cancer. And she ended up having two brain surgeries, craniotomies and uh, radiation and chemotherapy during that period of time. And uh, when you face death, uh, specifically the death of your child, in the face. And, and by the way, we still face, we have no idea what the future is going to hold, but right now she's in a stable spot. She's had three uh, scans that the doctors just say stable and improved. And so we celebrate that. Amen. Uh, and I know uh, Ryan has sent me videos of you guys as a team praying in different settings. And I'll tell you, it has mattered. It matters. How many know when you're in a crisis, whether it's COVID or sickness, whatever you're up against, the family of God really matters. It really matters. Um, our youngest son went through a, just a, a trauma. He, he um, ended up 
um, in the hospital for three days on life support. And right in the same time, I lost my mom, like just uh, uh, multiple waves of, of challenges hitting us as a family. And uh, boy, I stand here and get emotional thinking. And I think part of the reason why I looked at that and wept is because I, I'm so grateful for God's sustaining work in our lives. Pioneering is not easy. The walk of faith, which is really what we're talking about. Seeing something that's afar off and then navigating the ups and downs of life, many of which we didn't, we didn't choose. We didn't, we didn't ask the Lord, God, could my daughter get sick? Or God, could this new church, right, as we move into a building, could we go through some global pandemic pressure? Like, that would be a really great thing that would strengthen our faith. God, could you write that? Could you write that into the curriculum of Love City Church? Nobody asks for this kind of stuff. But I'll tell you, I think if I've learned anything in this season is that um, God's called us to learn to live. You're asking me to step forward. You actually put something up. I thought by stepping up over here, that was going to be, be the right thing. But I, uh, what, what I have realized is that when we come under great seasons of pressure in our life, the tendency of any human is to actually get stuck at some point of pressure along the way. We get stuck in our journey and we start to reconfigure our view of God or, or what we believe that God believes about us. We start to think maybe, God, you're, you're not really good. I, God, obviously with this amount of pressure in our lives or what we're facing as a church, God, we, we've got so many obstacles in front of us along the way. Maybe, maybe I didn't hear you right or God, maybe... Maybe you're good for some other people, but maybe I've done some things in my life that have actually stopped the goodness of God flowing my direction. And so uh, I kind of get into a stuck place. Or maybe we determine because uh, somebody else gets a miracle and a healing, but I didn't get it, that maybe God is good sometimes, but not all the time. We go through these journeys of pressure and difficulty in uh, church life and in body life and in serving God where many times in order to cope with the pressure of the journey, we reconfigure who God really is. Or we reconfigure how God is relating to us because of us. And so we do this to cope. But I want you to know something today. I think, I think that we're on a journey of faith that we need to learn to trust in who God really is, as revealed in the scriptures. Uh, his promises are sure. He loves us regardless of what we've done or haven't done in our life. His grace is still flowing towards us. His mercy still endures. Like there's things that God wants us to learn along the way. And I think in order to do that, we need to get our eye on the right kind of model. We need to understand the journey and by the way, the perpetual motion of faith. This is something that God began to speak to me during the pandemic. And, and uh, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the motion of faith. And there's a, an image of a dancer that, um, by the way, this is one of our elders' daughters in our church, and uh, she's insane. Look at, look at this. I mean, just insane what she can do. Um, she happens to win national competitions, and I just sent a photographer to take a bunch of pictures to show, like, 
crazy motion. I think, I think God wants us to live in crazy faith. He wants us to live in a continual, perpetual motion of faith where we're stretched, we're challenged, we, we move. And, and in order to do that, we need to ask ourselves the question, what does the motion of faith look like? And what does a life of faith look like? Because when we get into the middle of the biggest trials and traumas of our life, we can actually begin to look at the pressure and form our lives around the pressure rather than the motion of faith is revealed in the scriptures. And can I tell you, for Love City Church, in the next five years, to take the steps that it needs to take to, to become what it is God is saying that you're to become, you're going to have to learn as a people to continue to live in the motion of faith regardless of what comes your direction. What does the life of faith look like? What is the model? What do we need to fix our eyes on? Well, the only thing that I think we can do to really grasp the right one, because let me just say one more thing, and then we're going to get to Hebrews 11 in just a minute. The fight of faith over the last two years during COVID is a fight for your perspective. It's a fight for what you're going to fix your eyes on. It's a fight for what you're going to give attention to. And can I tell you, in the next five years... That fight is not going to get less. I just feel like a, there's an impartation of something that I want to call you up to today. Right perspective, right thinking, right faith. What does the perpetual motion of faith look like? The only place that I think we can go to really get right model is Hebrews chapter 11. You might be familiar with Hebrews 11. It's one of the pinnacle chapters of the Bible uh, Jewish Christians were undergoing fierce persecution. They were first century believers. Um, they were early church planters, if you could say it that way. They would have been in the early days of vision casting, and, and they were facing social persecution. They were facing physical persecution, um, both um, as Jewish people who had been converted, but also um, from Romans. They were under pressure. And the believers started to reevaluate Jesus and recalculate what does this life of faith look like. As a matter of fact, I would say that their faith was at risk of deconstruction. They were in a season of time where they were starting to say, maybe the journey that we started is not the journey we want to continue. And so we want to begin to evaluate how do we navigate this journey. And they started to actually ask the question, is this vision really from God? The validity of Christ's claims. Can we really sow our lives into this? Christ hadn't returned, obviously. And the pressure in the middle was causing them to question whether or not to stay living in the motion of faith. Because that pressure was great, here the author of Hebrews comes along. He says, I I'm going to actually challenge you to hold on to your faith. I'm going to actually challenge you to have and live in the motion of faith, no matter what comes your direction. And by the way, he called us into a lineage of faith that had been going on pre-Christ. It had been going on for decades before and was still going on. And he said, you've got to begin to see yourself in a larger lineage of faith if you're going to stay in the motion of faith. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, he not only defines faith, but he starts to unpack and unfold a whole line of characters throughout all of history who lived in this motion of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people 
in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was framed at God's command and that we now see we did not come from anything that can be seen. This whole portion of scripture actually is a, is a deep challenge to the believer to say, we got to circle back around and get the right viewpoint of faith in our life. And uh, as he unpacks and he begins to list a good number of characters of faith, he deals with Abram and Noah. People so early in the journey of faith, he says, man, I, I want you to, to go all the way back and realize this lineage has been going on for a long time. And then in verses 11 and 12, he picks up one unique character in the scripture that I think has everything to do with your next five years. Verse 11 and 12 says, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. Sarah and Abram. When you think about Sarai's life and you think about this, you, you, can't, you can't think about your journey of faith in any other way than to say, God's calling me into a life of faith for the impossible. He's calling me into a life of faith for the impossible. And what you'll actually find in these few verses right here are, are just three simple things that kind of lay out the point that I want to share with you today. One of them is just simply the promise received. The promise received. What does it look like to live in the motion of faith? You've got to understand that God gives promises and it's my job to receive them. It's my job to receive them. I don't live in the motion of faith because it feels good. I don't live in the motion of faith because everything goes well all the time. I don't, I don't commit to Love City Church or go to the next level from five years to 10 because it's easy. I go because I hear and receive a promise from God. To talk about promise received, you've got to stop and ask yourself the question, has there ever been a heartache in your life where you thought you heard a promise from God and it was delayed or perhaps felt unfulfilled? Did you ever go through a dark time? Did you ever go through a COVID season? You see, what Sarah represents in Scripture is an individual who heard a word, submitted to the word, and actually went after the word, but experienced delay. Sarah is an individual in Scripture who had to, had to learn the art and the skill of living in the motion of faith when things seemed impossible. When it actually seemed too big for her, too big for God, too big for her husband. When I think about this, I think about the emergence of a hope and dream that you actually believe is from God. I know I heard from him, but for some reason I can't seem to grasp it. It's like the, the leader Jairus in scripture, he, he came to Jesus. He was a leader in the synagogue and he came to Jesus and he said, my daughter is at home. She's sick unto death. This verse matters to me in this season of my life. <laughs> came to Jesus and said, my daughter's sick unto death. Will you come and heal her? And the Bible says Jesus went with him, which tells me that he was willing. Yeah. Yeah. And he even had the capacity to do it. 
Like there was no question. He didn't ponder and say, hmm, I'm not sure I got power today. Like I, I don't know that I want to. No, he just went with him. And by the way, as they started to filter through the crowd, a woman with the issue of blood reached out and got a hold of the hem of Jesus' garment. And the Bible says virtue went out of him. So we know the power of God was there, present to heal. The whole scenario that began to unfold in that moment is, is what I call a season of delay. Jairus is facing impossible odds, but somebody got to Jesus first, and it created a delay. And in the delay, Jairus' daughter died. A servant came and said, hey, uh, don't, don't, don't bother Jesus to get here. She's already dead. Bible says Jesus went anyway, which tells us the motion of faith continues into odds that seem impossible. Jairus went. He didn't try to stop him. He went with him. And when they got there, Jesus put the mourners out of the room because he said, no, there's, there's going to be an inbreaking of the kingdom here. Something is going to shift. I, I'm the God of the impossible. And, and you've got your eyes fixed on earthly things. You've got to receive a word. And to get the word, you're going to have to stop thinking like every other human on the planet thinks. So he put the mourners out of the room. And he went in and he called that little girl back to life. And I'll tell you, the challenge of that particular verse is that one person got a miracle and the other one died prematurely. And that is the challenge, by the way, that every one of us face when we're in this journey of faith. Why do some things work and other things don't? God, I thought you were a healer. Yes, he is a healer. But by the way, the deeper root system that every follower of Jesus has got to get a hold of in their life is that he's not only the God who heals, but he's the God who resurrects from the dead. We've got to have faith for the impossible. Here's this woman, Sarah. She gets this, this word from God. And when we, when we learn to navigate the treacherous waters of the impossible, when everything's against us, we actually break through to another level in the motion of faith. The first scripture that you find mentioning Sarah in the Bible, listen to it. It's, it's Genesis chapter 11, verse 29 and 30. It says, and Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, which is unfortunate. Anyways, the, the, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Iscah, again, unfortunate. Now, Sarah, Sarah was barren, and she had no child. Interesting. The introduction of any character in the Bible, like any other first mention, is important to stop and think about. Because it's the first mention that tells us what the scripture is trying to unpack and unfold about their life. It's giving us some clues as to the narrative that surrounds their journey. So Abram took a wife. Her name was Sarah. But Sarah was barren. That's the summary of that verse. Open the study of Sarah's life and state that she was barren as the primary descriptor of her life tells us that it was the first indicator of what people viewed and thought about her in her journey. Oh, well, she's Abram's wife, but she's barren. She has no child. It's important to understand this because if you don't understand this, you're not going to grasp 
the rest of the story of her life about faith for the impossible. Uh, she was defined as a woman who was barren. And the reason why this is important is because if you're going to make any application to her life, you've got to stop and ask yourself the question, is there any area in my life where a promise is trying to land, but it can't land because the, the way I've defined my life or God's relationship to my life is that can't happen here. If Jairus would have said, no, no, don't, don't come. You can't come. She's already dead. Instead, he just went with her. The word that was received was more powerful than the circumstance that they were in. Part of what makes your story so unique and part of what makes my story so unique is the context of the promise. God's promise is always landing in the context of impossible situations. Your health, your recovery, your family, your prodigal child, come on, your sin, your sickness, your disease, the word of God is always received in the context of impossible odds. And maybe the narrative that's been in your mind is a lot like the narrative of scripture about Sarai's life. No, she's barren can't do that, won't go there. Can I tell you about Love City Church in the next chapter? There's people right now that are saying, Love City Church, it's cool that you got into the Cardell building. By the way, they were the same people that said you'll never get into the Cardell building, but because people got faith for the impossible, God seems to orchestrate situations and you land in scenarios that are impossible. But they're saying, hey, well, it's cool that you found that. That might have been like, you know, there's a little blessing from God. But, but the same people are saying, you'll never get property. You'll never get a building. You'll never grow beyond this. You'll never see that. You'll never see that. I, I'm telling you, it's time for a people of faith to arise and not allow words that are spoken against the motion of faith to cause you to be stuck. What happened in Sarai's life is people created what I call a barren identity, a barren identity. The word of God can't land where there's a barren identity. It can't be received when people say, oh, you know what, that will never happen here. Sarai was 10 years younger than Abram. When, this, when the first word came to them in Genesis chapter 12, the first time the promise was announced, Abram would have been 75, Sarai would have been 65 years old, and she had, by the way, over all of those years, from the time she was a young girl, she would have dreamed of having a child. Her parents would have told her that was her future, that was her destiny, you need to get married, you need to have children, it is your worth, it is your value. Others observed her age, growing and progressing and finally everybody around her came to the same conclusion she's barren and and when you take on a stuck place and you take on the inability to receive a word from God it doesn't just change your circumstances it starts to change your identity your identity is who you are not just what you do Sarah didn't know how to how to navigate COVID. She didn't know how to navigate difficult pressures. And finally, it started to settle in over her. What's widely accepted out there is now my reality. And because it's my reality, it shapes who I am. Can I tell you, churches get stuck over this kind of stuff. 
Leadership teams get stuck. Families get stuck. Men get stuck. I've been, I've been dealing with this moral struggle my whole life. Now I just am a moral failure. Can I tell you that what you do it is not a, not a definer of who you are. The second you take on an identity, you can't receive the word of God in your life anymore. When your identity is affected this way, it sets a trajectory for your life because your actions spring out of your identity. I've heard people make this kind of mistake over and over again. I've also heard people make a mistake and start to accept that and somebody step in by faith and say, by the way, I know it's, it's what you did, but it's not who you are. Yeah. And what that does is it reverses the identity pull to be pulled into a place. Can I tell you, Love City Church? Don't take on the identity that, that churches can't flourish here. Don't take on the identity that the next five years can't be filled with miracles. Don't take on the identity that we're going to plateau and, and, and maybe be challenged because people just aren't that passionate in this part of Canada for the purpose of God. They're not growth-minded. Don't take on small-minded thinking. Don't take on limited thinking. Don't let it shape the identity of Love City Church. Not only did she deal with a barren identity, but as things began to unfold, she had to deal with the promise that was announced to her. So to talk about the promise received, you've got to deal with the fact that she was struggling with a barren identity, but not just struggling with it, she had to deal with the promise continually being announced. Five times. Everybody say five times. Five times. Five times the promise came. Four of them, she was not present to hear it. She had to hear it through her husband. The word came. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 2 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, from your kindred, from your... Excuse me, this is Genesis. Uh, this is Genesis, not Hebrews. Genesis. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go out from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house to the land I'll show you, and I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I'll curse, and in you all the families of the earth should be blessed. Abram heard that word, and it came again in Genesis 13, Genesis 15, Genesis 17, and Genesis 18. And it wasn't until Genesis 18 when Sarai was close enough to the edge of the tent to hear it. Every other time, she had to hear it through somebody else. And here's, here, here's what I know. Every time, she responded. The first time, she packed up her family and went with Abram. They didn't know where they were going. The next time, she continued to move, built an altar, watched her husband respond, and she continued to trust. But by the time she got to Genesis 18, she stood in the tent and laughed and said, I've now actually accepted this identity. I can no longer receive the promise of God. I can't, I can't do it anymore. And can I tell you, some of you today in your following uh, and in, in the motion of faith in your life, you've come to a stuck place. You've come to a stuck place. I'm in the tent. I'm laughing. It can't be positive. It can't happen. There's no way. Don't you see my husband? I'm 100 years old. and I'm 90 years old. We're not even intimate with each other anymore. This is not going to be reality. It just can't happen. Our bodies are dead. What, what is this continual announcement? When the promise is announced, let me tell you what's happening. The fifth time, five in the number, or five in biblical numerology is the number of grace. 
it's a supernatural moment in their journey. At every point along the way, Sarai, you've thought you could do it. At every point along the way, Abram, you thought you could do it. And when you didn't think you could do it, you actually uh, tried to find a way by, by giving Hagar your servant to your husband. You've always been looking for a way, but now that you're finally at the end of yourself, my grace can really begin to work. My power can really begin to work. I think it's no small, in fact, the, the entire reason I'm preaching this word today is actually because you're at your five-year anniversary and the Lord took me to this. I was thinking about it. I'm like, Lord, what is it about the number five? And I thought about five announcements to Sarai. And I thought about this day and I thought, Lord, what are you saying to this house? You're saying that if we would come to the end of ourselves, there would be a new measure of your grace poured out. And any barren identity, any... Any investment that we've made in aligning our soul to any other word than God's word right. is broken today. Amen. I just feel like this is a prophetic moment. I feel like it's a sovereign moment. The promise has been announced, and sometimes I've, I've struggled to believe it, but I have, and we've seen some breakthrough, but man, it's just yeah. pressures and pains and... Yeah. Now, I, I declare over every one of you today a motion of faith that is perpetual. It continues. It, it advances. It will not stop. You're not going to stand at the edge of your tent and laugh. You're not going to say it's not possible. See, what happens in those moments, we get right to the edge of the tent, and faith shows up, and we get kind of rebuked by God. He says, why are you laughing? I'm not laughing. Yeah, you are. I heard you. And what happens is our faith goes through a reshaping process and our identity gets tweaked. He says, no, it's time to realign you because it's, it's, not, it's not by your power and it's not by your strength. It's, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And God gives us a measure of faith to believe. He gives us a little bit of, of hope. Romans 12 says, through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but think as to have sound judgment for God is allotted or distributed to each one a measure of faith. Some of you right now, you'd look in the mirror and say, I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know that I can believe my marriage can turn around. My kids can turn around. What you need right there is you need divine grace. You need a five-year interruption. You need a moment where you just come and you say, I'm not going to think more highly than myself. I, I, I'm not... I'm not that powerful to stop the grace of God. I'm not, I'm not that significant to step outside the, the plan of God. I gotta get into the motion of faith. And so what he does is he adjusts our judgment. God, in my humility, I come before you and I, I realize I've come to the end of my rope. I can't do it, but I hear your word and you keep speaking and you keep promising and you keep saying. And so God, I believe and I'm gonna receive your word, but I, I'm struggling to do it. It's in that moment he says, here's the faith that you need. And he just gives you what you need in that moment to believe. And your heart opens just enough to grab the word. And Sarai at 90 years old said, Abram, come in the tent. He's like, okay. 
and they put feet to their faith. I, I don't know what happened in that tent. Actually, we do. We know what happened in that tent. Go take your biology class. You'll figure it out. And a step of faith to say we have a word from God. Other people are writing stories about us right now. Barren. Never going to make it. That's what's in our ear. But actually now there's a, there's a louder word coming by grace. And so we're going to step in and we're going to believe. And let me tell you what faith does. Faith causes a hundred-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman to go to bed when their bodies are dead and believe that something supernatural can take place. And let me tell you, the simplest way I can say it is this. Faith, faith becomes the currency that transacts a new identity. Faith is the currency. I actually step out in faith. And that exchange, that, that step to break the inertia of living in a stuck space. Inertia is the tendency of an object to stay at rest. But faith pushes against that inertia. And it says, we're going to break that pull. We're going to break that tendency. And we're going to create some traction here by faith. And what happens is it, it actually transacts a new identity. We're no longer barren. We're going back to the original word we heard in the beginning. We're going to be leaders of nations. And we're going to live that out until the end of our lives. You go back and read Hebrews 11. Let it build your faith. Get your eyes on the right kind of models. You'll find Noah standing up in the midst of a culture and people mocking him for decades while he built an ark. You find the people of God moving in to the promise of God. You find Moses. You, find, you go back and you read Rahab's story. And what you realize is none of us deserve any of it. It is simply an act of the grace of God. And at every step, it was always faith that transacted a new identity. So what do I want to declare over this house today? Faith for the impossible. You are a faith house. Come on, you're a people of faith. You're not a people that are going to shrink back. You're not going to pull back. You're not going to let, even if you have to put a mask on or not meet or stand and look at another Zoom call again from your living room. Come on, you're not going to take on the identity of small-minded thinking. You are the people of God. You're moving forward in God. You're not going to let people write about your family or your life that you're, you have a barren identity. You're going to continue to open your heart and move out by faith and if I can put anything into your spirit today it's faith for the impossible we stood this year Ryan told me he's never seen in all of my years of preaching never seen me stick to a clock and it's true it's true <laughs> I, I'm not saying this to brag in any way, shape, or form because this has been the hardest 18 months of my entire life. But we made a decision in this journey right 
the first announcement that came, your daughter's got cancer, she won't make it. She's, she's not gonna live. I told our family, I told our wife and our family, we talked and we said, we're gonna find the immovables in this season, the things that don't shift. Because there's no way to navigate a storm in life unless you get a hold of something. And that's why I'm putting this word into you today. You've got to get a hold of a God who's good and a God who's always going to distribute what you need in the right moment. A God who watches over his word to perform it. And so you've got to position yourself. I see this storm, but by faith, I'm going to move through it. By faith, I'm going to move through it. And by the way, sometimes, like Jairus, it goes all the way to premature death. But the same God who healed the woman with the issue of blood can raise up something that is dead. And, and in the end, we win. Come on, we win, we win, we win. So keep your faith intact, faith for the impossible. Can I hear an amen about that? Come on, let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you. I thank you for Love City Church. I thank you that for five years they have lived in the motion of faith. I thank you, God, that when difficulties have come, they've stood and they've declared the promise of God. Father, I pray today that you would distribute to this house another measure of your grace. For the next five years, God, let something supernatural, just a, an impartation of, of that great power that works in us to will and to do your good pleasure. God, let your grace flow in this house and let the people of God respond in faith at every step of the way. God, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice today who, who feels hopeless, who just feels like they're up against a, a pressure point and they're starting to take it on, I pray that you would break that in their life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, even for those that are online here today, if you, if you need Jesus in your life, You've never committed your life to Christ, or maybe you have, but you just realized today you need to come home. You need to give your life to Christ. I'm going to just ask you to text the word Jesus. They're going to put the number on the screen. I'm going to ask you to respond in a spirit of faith, and we're going to, we're going to get our lives right with Christ today. We're going to step into a space where we take that simple step, that first step to say, I'm going to break the inertia of living an anti-faith life, a life that's stuck not following Jesus. I'm going to get in the game with him. He'll forgive you of sin. He'll cleanse your life. Come on, he places you in a body. Things begin to shift, and that can all begin today. If that's you, I'm going to just ask you to take a bold step right now. Send that text. Make the decision today to follow Jesus. Father, once again, thank you for this amazing church. Bless them in these next five years. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just respond. Would you stand to your feet and just take this word? And one of the things we do at Mana House, and I would just ask you the same question. Number one, what did God say to me? And number two, what is he asking me to do in response to what I just heard? I want you to ponder that as we worship and as we respond to Him. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.